Samuel for a few weeks. Um, so we're going back to Samuel and it's First uh, Samuel chapter 16. And you, you may remember, uh, or you may not, from, from the last time we, we were in Samuel, it was Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, where <clears throat> basically Saul had, had not uh, obeyed the Lord. He had said um, God had told him to destroy everything, um, the Amalekites, but he kept some, some of the plunder and he kept the king. And as a, as a result, Samuel said he was going to, God was going to tear the kingdom away from, from Samuel, from Saul, should I say, and, and give it to someone else. Uh, so that was the context uh, that we find ourselves as we come into 1 Samuel chapter 16, which is um, quite a well-known passage. Um, but uh, I'm sure the Lord has something new for us uh, to hear uh, today. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. <clears throat> now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one I named you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Ab Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. 
Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful, player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play with it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So this is, um, it's another one of those pivotal passages. And um, it's the first, the first time that we see the mention of David in, in the Bible. But it is by no means, by no means the last time. Um, he becomes a very, very significant figure, both in the Old Testament and then on into the New Testament. Um, so I'll call in this talk today anointed and appointed. Not very orig original, I know, but it definitely does capture um, what, what this chapter is about. It's, it's essentially divided into, into two, two parts. The first uh, first section is where Samuel comes and Samuel comes and anoints David and the second where he's appointed um, as an employee essentially of, of the king of King Saul so we see we see in, in uh, the first verse in chapter 16, Samuel, Samuel is mourning. Samuel is mourning because Samuel, just, just hang on one second. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. So Samuel had been mourning had been mourning um, Saul, or in a sense, he'd been mourning um, what the king. I mean, he had no great time for Saul himself, although he was um, subservient to Saul in, in so far he was the king, and he showed his allegiance to Saul. But he was he was mourning as much the fact um, that the plan for for Israel seemed to be coming coming awry. But God had another plan, and it's interesting that God. He doesn't, he doesn't have much time for, for people moping around. 
you know, we, we, can, we all have had situations where things haven't gone according to plan and, and we can be licking our wounds and, and feeling sorry for ourselves. But God says to, to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected them from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So God wasn't letting Samuel mope around. God's plan was going to continue. God had his plan and he was going to fulfill it. It's interesting that if you go back to even to the book of Genesis, when Jacob was blessing his sons, Jacob prophesied over his son uh, Judah about what was to happen in the future. <clears throat> he said, Judah, in, in Genesis chapter 49, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand should be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you've gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who will rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes and to whom shall be the obedience of the people building his donkey to the vine, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's coat to the choice vine he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes his eyes are darker than wine and his teeth is whiter than milk so this was a prophecy God speaking true Jacob about a future ruler and that future ruler would come they said the scepter will not depart from you would come through the, the tribe of Judah and David was of the tribe of Judah and so even though Saul was the original king he wasn't the king in God's ordained plan. He wasn't the king that God had preordained uh, from the time of, of Jacob, from the time, from the birth of the nation of, of Israel. That king was going to come through the line of, through the, sorry, through the tribe of Judah. He was going to be a descendant of the tribe of Judah. And often we have our own plans, we do things and you know, they don't work out and we, we kind of feel sorry for ourselves and go, ah, you know, this isn't fair or whatever. And it's only then that we start to realize, hang on a second, I didn't include God in my plan. I didn't seek the will of God for my plan because God has a great plan for our lives, each of our lives, a preordained plan. The Bible says that he has pre predestined us in Christ Jesus, to do good works. God has predestined you to do good works. He has special works for you to do. And we need to align ourselves with the, the preordained plan of God. And so often we don't. We try our own way first. And then it takes a while before we come back into God's plan. And that's what Israel did. They, they sought a king of their own first. And it didn't work out. 
And now God was instituting his plan or executing his plan uh, for a king for Israel, which he had signified back in, back in Genesis. And so it's interesting that the, the family that they choose are, are a Bethlehemite family. So they're from Bethlehem, which was seen as a small town. It wasn't a significant town. And yet that was the town that God was going to choose. Out of Bethlehem would come a leader. And, we, and there's no need to, to emphasize the parallels with, with Jesus. That, oh, little town of Bethlehem, we know from, from the, the carols or once in Royal David City, it was that same town, town of Bethlehem, that Jesus would ultimately come. But God was choosing this town. And that's, you know, I'm sure Jesse was, was kind of um, surprised. And, and that's why perhaps why the initial reaction that Samuel was coming, that it was something bad, because he couldn't imagine that something good would come out of this town, something uh, important. But saw or Samuel reassures Jesse that he comes in peace. And basically, he was coming. Um, he was coming to um, anoint the new king. Um, I don't know if you've been following the news recently, but <clears throat> it's interesting. One of the. Um, one of the stories in the news of the last few weeks, and, and uh, I know one or two people be, will be particularly aware of this, um, was the appointment in the de Department of Health, the new head of the Department of Health. And it, it caused quite a bit of controversy. Um, but basically, he was appointed by, by, um, by the government, uh, a new head, basically to take charge of the whole COVID situation. And... One of the reasons it caused controversy was because um, it had been suggested prior to his appointment that he was going to be selected. And if, any of you who are familiar with the, with the appointment system in, in, um, in, in the public sector, as, as I'm particularly familiar, I haven't made so many applications in, in recent years, is that it's a very structured system. And, and um, Tricia, I'm sure, would be particularly familiar. It's a very structured system. Um, and you have to abide by certain rules and regulations. It has to be very transparent so that nobody is seen to be favoured, et cetera, et cetera. So the controversy in, in the media was that it appeared that the person who is, is now the, the new head of the department was actually um, picked in advance of the, of the competition for, for, the, for the post. And I think even in the papers it said that he was um the government's anointed one so they had picked him in advance they or this is what the papers had said that they had picked him in advance even even prior to the whole uh competition to 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 recruit him and put in place and some people were saying oh, that, that wasn't fair you know there should be a fair transparent uh, recruitment process but you get the picture that here was someone in in, in the case of, of david who had been preordained they had been anointed, the anointed one. And now that's, that's the term that's often used when someone had been preordained um, to, be, to, to be a ruler or to be, to be a leader. And of course, Samuel 
uh, when when he goes to to choose the the son, he does it first on, on appearance. But um, and and the first son, who looks like uh, the perfect one, God says, "Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." So you can imagine, it was like a recruitment. He was going through a recruitment process for um, a new king. And they're all being shown to, to Samuel one by one. And God was saying, no, this isn't the one. No, this isn't the one. Until eventually, um, Samuel said to Jesse in verse 11, he said, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, or we will not sit down until he comes here. So he went and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And so we see a principle here from, from God that he wasn't looking at the outward appearance. He was looking at the heart. And in fact, if you look at, at, at David, he wasn't even among the seven sons who were, who were invited to the sacrifice. So he was the eighth son and he was left um, looking after the sheep. It was seemed he wasn't even deemed worthy enough to, to go and, and, and be at the sacrifice. Some commentators say that he may, <clears throat> he may have been particularly um, seen as the, the least or, or even perhaps an Ill illegitimate son. We know in, in uh, the Psalms, <clears throat> it says that in Psalm 51, verse 5, David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin, my mother conceived me. Now, we don't know whether that means he was an illegitimate son or not, uh, but certainly in that psalm, he, he also refers to uh, being mocked even by his, his brothers. So we see that he wasn't um, held in the highest esteem um, by his own brothers, and yet God had sought him because he, he was looking after the heart. And even if you, if you look at 1 Samuel 13, 14, So Samuel speaking to Saul, he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. This is after he sacrificed and he wouldn't wait when he, he didn't wait for Samuel uh, for the sacrifice. He says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. Him. So God in this recruitment drive, so to speak, he wasn't seeking what, what most people would seek and what was sought really for, in Saul. Saul was a man, remember he was head and shoulders above all uh, the other Israelites. He had what looked like the right requirements 
to be a king. But God's recruitment process was different. I know when you go for, for, um, for any, any jobs now, they'll say essential requirements and then they'll have desirable, desirable requirements. The essential requirement that God was looking for was a man who was after his own heart, a man after God's own heart. So God, as I said, he had, this was his chosen one. This was his anointed one. But it wasn't that God was choosing him on the basis randomly. I'm just going to choose this person. He had chosen him for a reason because he had the qualities that God was looking for in, in the king to be the king of Israel. He had the specific qualities, the essential requirements. First and foremost, he had a heart after God's own heart. So as well then as anointing him, both with, with the oil, um, physically with, with the oil, and choosing him, he anointed him with, with, with the Holy Spirit. God anointed him with his Holy Spirit. And no matter what our, our, our sort of personal attributes are, um, we always need God's Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, if we're really to be effective in doing his work. So in 1 Samuel 16, We see that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. So God saw qualities in him, in his heart. But then it was because of those qualities that the Lord was able to then, and he then anointed as well. Uh, David, not just with physical oil as a sign, but with the actual Holy Spirit to enable him uh, to do his work. So that was the first aspect. God anointed him. He had chosen him and he gave him power uh, to do what God had wanted him to do. And then he appointed him. In the second section, we see he appointed him. We see the spirit of the Lord had, had departed from, from Saul. And instead, he, now, he was now sent a distressing spirit, which was troubling him. And we don't know exactly um, <clears throat> the sort of theology of that. There's, you know, there's a dispute about the theology of, of how a distressing spirit and what was that distressing spirit. But what we do know is that it caused distress to Saul and it was apparent to his, uh, the people around him, the servants around him, that he wasn't well. And they said, what you need is someone to sing, sing to you, sing psalms, sing songs to you, to, to calm you and to relieve you. And of course, this is where um, one of his servants said, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, 
and a handsome person and the Lord is with him. And so this was a perfect opportunity for David to be brought into the king's court. And of course, we know that when he played, that the spirit, um, in, in verse 23, and so whenever it was, when the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So this was the opportunity. God was creating an opportunity for David to come into the courts of the Lord. If you like, David was plucking the strings, but God was pulling the strings behind the scenes to bring David into the courts of, 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 of King Saul to allow him um, not just to be anointed, but to be an appointed as, as a member of, of, the, of uh, Saul's employees, so to speak. mentioned before that Trisha, well, Trisha and myself, we, we started uh, new jobs recently and <clears throat> when you start a new job, it can, uh, it can be quite overwhelming. You know, there's a lot to take on board and uh, new people, new systems, all that kind of stuff. And it seems here that, that God brings David in into the, into the whole um, Saul's um, palace into his, his, his environment and it allows David to, to look and observe um, what, what's going on. For myself I only when I only started this week <clears throat> there was like another guy who's, who's going to show me the whole my whole job for the next two months and I need that. Without, if I just started fresh I wouldn't be able to uh, do the job properly and God was using the situation, he's bringing about a situation to bring David into Saul's palace, so to speak, into his courts, so David could observe and would help him, train him for future when he would become, eventually he would become the king. And it's interesting as well, if you go, if you go for a job, any job, you, aside from having, needing to have the requisite skills and um, competencies, etc. The final piece in the jigsaw is you need to have a good reference. You won't get a job unless you get a good reference. And we see the reference that David has here. In verse 18. Look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person. And the Lord the Lord is with him. So David had so many of the qualities that were needed, but he also had a good reputation among his peers. And the combination of the qualities of David and God moving in the, in the background, so to speak, brought David into, into Saul's court, into Saul's orbit, so to speak. But I wanted to focus this morning on 
the, the early days of, of David, um, how he came to be the, the anointed one, God's anointed one. Where did he learn his skills? Well, we know it was not, it was not primarily out in the battlefield. It was not primarily in the public sphere. <clears throat> it was when he was minding his sheep. When he was playing, he was probably playing his harp, minding his sheep. He was communing with God. And through all this, we see that he was a man after God's own heart. And what does that mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, first and foremost, <clears throat> it means that he was a shepherd. He was looking after sheep. And he would go on to be the shepherd of Israel, who would look after the people of Israel. And it's interesting that if you look at the other great leader of, of Israel, um, their first leader was, of course, Moses. And Moses, similarly, for 40 years, he was in Midian for 40 years looking after sheep. And there's two, there's two aspects to that. One is you're looking after sheep. You have to sacrifice. You have to risk your life. You have to fend off um, wolves or bears or lions in, in the case of David. But you're, you're, you're looking after, you're, you're taking care of uh, the flock, so to speak. But Moses and, and David served their, their leadership apprenticeship as shepherds. And when God says, I'm looking for someone after my own heart, we know God's heart is a shepherd heart. God has the heart of a shepherd. God himself is called the great shepherd. And we see Jesus in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we know when Jesus talks about the, the 100 sheep and how one goes off astray, how he brings the sheep back. So God has a shepherd heart. He looks after his sheep. He takes care of them. He lays down his life for them. And David had the same heart as God. He had the same heart. Caring. He had a caring heart. And that's what God was looking for. That's what God was looking for. You know, we, we often have <clears throat> a tendency in, in our lives to put our best foot forward, the best face forward, especially if you're, if you're doing something, if you're applying for a job, you have a CV, you, you know, you put, you know, everything, all the brilliant things you do and you, and you hide all the things that you, you the bad things or failures. And uh, I'm sure Trisha has seen that in, in, in working in HR, you get all these amazing CVs. But then when you actually meet the person, your reality is quite different. And here it was the opposite case. In here, 
David was, was seen as, as a nobody. He was such a shepherd boy. But God saw his heart and he saw that he had a shepherd heart, a heart that looked after uh, the sheep, looked after the flock. And of course, the other, the other thing that, that really stood to, to <clears throat> in, in David's favor was that he was a worshiper. And so presumably when he was, he was out with the sheep, he had time in his hands and he was, he was practicing playing, uh, playing the harp. And he got very skillful playing the harp and he was worshiping the Lord. And uh, it was that, that heart of worship. David had a heart of worship. And obviously we see that um, his, his catalog, his back catalog, if you like, of, of he's over 70, over 70 of the Psalms are written by David. So he was um, a young, young boy, not just with a caring heart, but with a heart that was for God. He loved God. And he didn't just love God, he taught. He, in, in those times when he was on his own, he obviously was thinking about God and thinking about the wonders of his creation. He loved, he loved creation. If you look at Psalm, Psalm 8. O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who set your glory above the heavens. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the works of the fingers, the moon and stars which you ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? Son of man that you care for him. And it's a famous psalm. So God, so David was not just thinking about the stars and, and you know how wonderful they were, although he was, but he was also thinking of the greater picture. If they're there, why, why do you think of man? Why do you think of man? So he, had, he, was a, he was a thinker, he was a worshiper. He spent time with God, spent time in his presence. Again, he was a man after God's own heart. So what's amazing about David's appointment as, as an armor bearer is, is it essentially it arises from what he'd been doing. You know, God, God can appoint us in, in, in many spheres. He can, he can put us in roles in, in many situations. But a lot of the time, we think, oh, I, God could never use me. God, no way God could use me because, you know, what have I got? I'm not trained as a, as a pastor. I'm not trained as an evangelist or I'm not trained as a worship leader. God usually uses what we have. David loved what we, and even, even what we like, the things we like, uh, our natural giftings. So David had a gifting and he loved music. He loved to worship and he was a shepherd. That's all, that's all he pretty much had in terms of qualifications uh, to, to, to be in the king's court. But that's exactly what God use and you may think about 
what what things what what are the things in my life that that um that I love doing? God can use those things for His kingdom. What what about my history? My 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 history in the fam my family history things even things that have gone wrong in the past. God can use those things, and generally, what God does is He uses us just as we are. Our the, our, the makeup of who we are, our, our emotional makeup, our historical makeup. God uses those things. He takes those things and uses them, and then he anoints them for his, for his kingdom, uh, to advance his kingdom. Even if you look at, at Moses, Moses said, was saying, God, you know, I, I, you can't send me. And, and God said, so what have you got in your hand? In Exodus, he says, Exodus chapter four. So Moses was was um, <clears throat> was afraid because God was telling him, you know, uh, to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said, and answered said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Sorry, in, in terms of the Israelites and the Egyptians not believing him. What is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a servant, a serpent, and Moses fled from it. But the point is that Moses had in his hand a rod. And God used that. And you may think, I have nothing significant to give to God. Your, your circumstance, your history, the things that you like doing, God can use all those things for his glory. He can use all those things for his glory. David was faithful. David was faithful in in looking after the sheep and God elevated him ultimately to be a king. He worshiped the Lord and God um, basically over 70 Psalms are now, they're in the Bible now, sung still today and a source not just of, of worship, but a source of theology, a source of you know, encouragement for so many people. So God used the little that David had, what he was faithful in, uh, to, to do his work. And God can do the same with you. So don't think, oh no, listen, I haven't got the skills, I haven't got the, the qualifications. My family, you know, my family history isn't great. Um, that I'm not anointed. God chooses each of us in advance for works to do. Each of us he has chosen. And he often uses our history. He often uses our, um, just who we are, who we are uh, to, do what he, to do his works. But the prerequisite, the prerequisite that God has for each of us to use us is that we have a heart after God's own heart. 
And that is ultimately what God will look at, is our heart. How often are we honest before God about the things in our heart? How often do we let him examine our heart and see if there's any unclean, impure way in us? David said, create in me a clean heart, O, o God, and a pure spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Examine my heart. It's only when we, God, we allow God to examine our heart that we can then teach transgressors, teach sinners his ways. We can then show people Jesus, show people, give people the gospel. We all want to give people the gospel. And all God is asking us is that our, in our hearts, we let him examine our heart and we are honest before God about what is in our heart. That's, that is our heart <clears throat> that God can use. That is a heart after God's own heart, where we are honest uh, before him. So God wants, God wants to use you. He wants to use each of us. And it's not a big thing as in, you know, I have to get everything right. God wants us just to come to him humbly, humbly and, and say, Lord, here is my heart. Examine it. I want, to, I want to do what you want. And be honest. Be honest with God. Not putting on an outward appearance of, you know, in church or, you know, and this and that or um, with family and, and, and this way and that way. With God. He wants us just to be honest with him. I'm nearly finished. Just one, one point on the, um, the, the, the worship, I think. <clears throat> I think many of us can have times when um, we mightn't have necessarily have a distressing spirit that is... is um, is getting us down although it, it, that can happen as well it can be that we get a spiritual attack sometimes it can just we, we can feel down people suffered from depression because of different different things it could be a chemical imbalance it could be psychological history from the past you know we can suffer um for many reasons we can feel distressed or depressed or down Worship is a powerful, a powerful remedy um, for our emotions. If we're feeling down, you know, um, and it can, it can, it could just be circumstances. Circumstances in life can get us down. Worship and, and music can be a powerful lifter of, of our souls, as we see here um, with David and Saul. And today, there's many ways that we can use worship, or uh, we can bring worship in, into our lives. We have YouTube, uh, we have iTunes, all those sort of things. I'd encourage you, if you don't have worship as part of your your daily routine or, or part, you know, part of your 
your your background, your environment. Bring worship into your into your home. Bring it into your home. Put it on YouTube. Put it on iTunes. What whatever whatever form you have. There's so much good worship there uh, that will really bless you and can can uplift you and is actually uh, can act as a, as a spiritual warfare against the attacks of the devil. I know myself, many of you know, I, I particularly like one artist called Ian White. He actually put 80 Psalms to music. And I put, I put it on, I often put it on in the evenings in, in the kitchen and it has such a positive effect on me. It lifts my, my spirit, the words lift me, the, the, the music lifts me. And it just changes the atmosphere. Um, it can change the atmosphere in the house. And I can even see the positive effect it has in kids. So worship is a powerful, powerful uh, tool, a powerful weapon that God has given us. And you don't have to be skilled. You don't have to play an instrument. God can use worship uh, to really lift you up and, and, and bring you closer, closer to him. So just going to close. Um, The heart, God's heart, is a shepherd heart. David had a shepherd heart, and he was very much a foreshadowing of Jesus, who has a shepherd heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David wrote that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And God wants each of us to have a shepherd heart with others. And it might seem, you know, like a small, a small thing, you know, oh, it's not some big ministry, but we all have people around us that God, that we can show God's love to, that we can care for. And you may say, oh, well, I'm not really a people person. It doesn't matter. If you have the Lord's heart, God will give you a shepherd heart. He'll give you a love uh, for people. We all have people. And that we can show the love of God to can care for people in, 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 our, um, in, in our surroundings. And I really believe God wants us, and, and he is doing it already, working in us as a church, the heart of a shepherd. We have a shepherd's heart. We look after people. We look after, in particular, those who are on the outside, and we bring them back in. Those, the outsiders, people that, that the society perhaps doesn't care. God wants us to have that heart for others. And we cultivate it. We cultivate it by being with him. By spending, just like David did, he spent time with God. He worshipped God. But God wants to give us a shepherd heart. I'll just close uh, with this verse. From Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. So just before I go into that, I just want to say, so God has anointed us. He has anointed us to do good works. And he has appointed us. He's going to put us in a place to do that. And to do that, he is going to equip us. 
God is going to equip us to do good works. He calls us, he anoints us, says, I have chosen you to do good works, but he will also equip us. And that's why he brought David. That's why he brought David in, into uh, the court of Saul. He was preparing him to do good works. And I believe for many of us, God has, still has many good works for us to do. He wants to use many of us in these days. And we might think I'm not, you know, I'm not up to it. It's, it's not about the, the world standard. God wants to use you. And he whom he calls, he will equip. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, 21. May the God of peace who brought our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete. Another, another version says, equip you for every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight, that Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, forever and ever. Amen. So God wants to equip you. God wants to equip you to do good works for him. But he wants first and foremost to give you that shepherd's heart. He wants to give you a shepherd's heart. He has, God has a shepherd's heart for each of you. You may feel that you're, um, you're kind of abandoned or you're left out. God has a shepherd caring heart for you. And he wants to show you that care. He wants to show you that love. And then he wants you to show that to others. And God will equip you. Do not say to yourself, God cannot use me. God can and he will use you and he will equip you. Praise the Lord. Maybe just before uh, we finish up, um, 